Now, <clears throat> it says live. I don't know how much I trust it. I feel like the first few of these, maybe at least week one, I'm always going to be caught, checking. So you're going to have to forgive me that. I think eventually I'll have some confidence, but <clears throat> it seems that it goes live at different times across different streams. And so depending on where you reach this, depends on whether you get it straight away. Um, so, yeah, apologies. It's only when the messages come in saying, you know, if had hello and stuff that, that, uh, that I can be confident that it's reaching people and that it's not glitching. Um, I'm on time today. So day one, fail. Day two, yesterday, we went out, but we went out late. So about 20 minutes late. Today, I think I'm on time. I think it's working. I've had a thumbs up from the very reliable Matt Scar's book, Hero That He Is. Look at this. Thank you, Matt. So we know it's available on Facebook. Also dusted off an old uh, page that I had called Chewing It Over, which has been dormant and, uh, and, and hidden on Facebook. And so if you want to, you can join the Facebook group Chewing It Over, um, which is just another place in which this can reach you, one of seven streams in which you can tune into. Um, so, yeah, find it on Facebook under Chewing It Over. I tidied that up, removed a load of it. It's uh, old posts from 2017, which is when it was last live, but um, hopefully it's cast in there as well. Today, I've got a few topics again. Um, as I mentioned before, I'm not wanting to be, just be Q&A, but also to make it increasingly interactive. Um, and so I'm interested in your thoughts, and I'll share those on screen. Um, but a few things that were sort of hanging over from, from last week, as well as what's been hot on social media recently. Um, but the first one is certainly... Um, there was a post about, and it kind of comes back around, is that the same job advert seems to get recirculated and a bit of outrage or comments and stuff, and then it fades away, and then the same post recirculates every time they're advertising for a similar post. But it's these uh, roles that have been advertised um, at about mid-range band six pay, I think it is, about sort of 20-odd grand a year post, which is called a first contact practitioner role, which is a term used for... Um, typically used for uh, people that are going to be physios, osteopaths, um, pharmacists, I think some podiatrists working as first contact role within usually a GP practice. Now, it's misleading because in private practice and in occupational health settings, then you're usually the first point of someone's contact for an MSK problem anyway. But in this political context, FCP as it's known, he's, he's often the first point of contact uh, as a working in a GP practice. And so it's a sort of an interesting thing that I was asked to sort of chew over um, as to what my thoughts were on that, especially with regards to, it's a bit it's a great topic that's going to come up many a time, no doubt, on this show and, and, and it's been discussed elsewhere and we've got some Physio Matters podcast planned on it. But um, namely about when someone is advertising for a role that is meant to be and has been appropriately declared by NHS England as well as Health Education England and, and the others that are involved in it. It should be a band seven and band eight role depending on, on exactly what is expected of that practitioner. It's often people that are able to get imaging requisition on, on a click, often a prescriber, certainly an injecting therapist. Um, and so it's something that, that is considered appropriate at level seven, uh, not necessarily band seven, if you're thinking in NHS pay bands, but level seven being a master's level um, practitioner. Um, now, unclear to me 
from what I understand so far, you know, I don't think it's necessarily meaning that therefore that's someone that therefore has a master's or beyond, but it's someone that is operating at that level in terms of their academic literacy and their abilities, um, as well as then um, that is a clinical pillar of advanced practice at a level seven. And then there is some brilliant work going on about that um, by Neil Langridge uh, and et al uh, trying to bring this together. And so um, rest assured that that work's being done. Um, I'm privy to some of it, um, some of it private, and a lot of it's gonna be public soon. Um, but what I'm getting at here is that like, what, what do we do if those things are under, considered underpaid or advertised as such? And I think it, it's an interesting thing across any role, really, where something's advertised. And you see it especially in sort of sports context, whereby something is advertised as a head physio for X club or, or whatever role uh, is then considered underpaid, uh, under-enumerated. And sometimes even this roles that are advertised that sound illustrious and then you look at it, it says voluntary post at whatever um and uh, you know usually it's that you, you you paid in some stash and expenses or whatever and uh, and it just feels like a, a hype happens on social media where you know it's this undervaluing of, of professionals now there's a couple of factors there is that of course you hope that the well, let's say three levels to it. One is which you hope that the club that's advertising for it, or in this case, a company that's advertising for it, is going to respect the titles and responsibilities and pay them appropriately. But that's still a bit of a hope. And that's the nature of, of markets, I guess, labour markets, is that they might chance their arm in that and be egging up a title um, in the hope that that's something that people want to aspire into and are willing to take a lower salary to do so. Um and there's risks, of course, attached to them with regards to the calibre that they're able to attract. But, you know, they're just they're just words and they're using it almost as an advert. And to advertise a job, they're trying to hype the, the titles up. Um, and that occurs across the board, and especially in, in first contact practice. It's a first contact practitioner. It's like a, a potentially a bit of a buzzword. And therefore, people are maybe thinking that that might be searched for and might be attractive. The second thing is the you hope that society at large is going to be making associations with these titles and therefore it's just not going to be it's not going to cut it and that people are, as they start to get to know what these things mean uh, they are going to be, have an expectation of expertise that's going to be beyond what that salary would would achieve and therefore it just won't wash um, much like if it was if it was legal for someone to declare themselves a medical doctor that weren't and uh, they got in and, and got themselves say new graduate instead of a GP or they were to, to uh, go and see someone and, and it was clearly uh, be considered fraudulent. And in our societies, we, we don't allow for people to do that. They would be arrested to impersonate a medical doctor and, and rightly so. But these other titles, first contact practitioner being an example whereby there's no legal um, mandating uh, standard for what that would be. And so the third thing is the, the important one, <laughs> I think really, and probably the only lever that we have is that as professionals that might apply into that role, then you don't devalue yourself if the responsibilities of that task and that role and that job are going to be considered higher than what the price point of the salary would be compared to what the industry standard is or what the understanding is as to what you would be doing for what pay, then it's going to be up to you to not apply and encourage your friends not to or to pass an appropriate professional judgment that it's not a good idea and that it would compromise the uh the industry and 
it feels a it feels a tepid one. It's like an individual responsibility argument. But as I've said, you know, you'd hope that the sort of uh, employer would be responding more, uh, being more responsible. You'd hope society at large would have a better understanding of these things. But at the end of the day, if the regulatory bodies haven't got a way in which they can they can mandate any change in that direction, because they can't protect every word, protect every title, then fundamentally it's something that creating an exposure sometimes through social media to say this is not okay it's not good enough applies pressure to those organizations but also interprofessionally we just shouldn't apply for those roles and and as i say pass appropriate judgment challenge it sensibly we talked a bit about this yesterday and then Gemma and mike and matt were were making great comment about how to approach things professionally but still make sure that they were challenging things and and, and not letting uh, ourselves get steamrolled this is another example whereby we've probably just got to not undervalue ourselves and not volunteer our labor in some instances or be taken advantage of for poor salaries the only way in which you can then have the the, the tide rise all ships really um i would say and i think that first contact practitioner is a only a recent example of a similar phenomenon that we see particularly in sport um, whereby there's a culture of, of, of companies and clubs sometimes chancing their arm and being, trying to recruit people of a, of a standard that they're not necessarily then paying for. So that's, you know, it's concerning, you know, people asking my opinion on it or what have you, and uh, I definitely would say that it's, a, it's certainly an issue that, that does bother me. But with various different hats on that I have, both in terms of commentary as well as then if you think about what my position on it would be, as director of MSKR, is that of course we've got various different ways in which and policies. Um, I would say that we need to try to recognise that those issues are going to improve by general reforms of the system and going to improve with better um, ways in which we exert influence across the media, etc. But also just to rise standards and, and make sure that then we are consistent. Um, I would say that there's um, there's a couple of couple of features that I do have a lot of sympathy for the fact that the individual responsibility argument just feel like it's toothless and but it's similarly I just don't see a feasible mechanism for top down regulation to appropriately tidy those things up on its own either and that's that dev devolved responsibility between groups and individuals that we always talk about with regards to. Um, MSKR and where it came from, reasoning, responsibility and reform. The responsibility piece was about how to distribute that sensibly. So, you know, I do I do have some sympathy for it. Um, I've got some great comments coming in. Thanks for you. Thanks for sharing. Uh, Gemma has said, what about if you're starting out and lack confidence but want to approach this area? Not undervaluing is important, but some therapists may be happy to take that sort of job at that pay level if it supports what they need absolutely and that is what is relevant in this instance is that i'm not meaning to lump it in with some entry-level positions particularly in and around the sports field of which gemma's got a really for those that don't know a usually accomplished sports physio um who you know and, and we've all been in situations uh, most of us have in which we've volunteered some of our time into situations in which it's building confidence building reputation etc it's slightly different though in those entry-level positions and i think that i'm concerned about the fact that if there's an advert that's hyping it and so i would say that lead physio in something in which there's going to be a responsibility that's attached to that and a legal responsibility attached to it, it feels like that's something inappropriate for a voluntary or low-paid position and you should be paid appropriate to the risk um and that's sort of you're giving it you're giving 
corporations, clubs are, are passive. You undervalue it in that sense. But in this instance, this is NHS taxpayers' funds and a title that has been uh, is trying to be reputationally managed in such a way that it's at a level seven grade that is then being paid at say a midband midband six is, is inappropriate and so it's it's a fine line i do understand that you can't lump all these examples in but in this instance with first contact it just feels like it's something we've got to be careful of um thanks to ollie here for uh, another great comment the whole industry is undervalued versus other professions and industries a law graduate on a training contract earning circa 25k before they even qualifies as solicitor or barrister the solicitor then with 10 years experience would earn significantly more on average than a 10-year post-qualified MSK clinician. Now, of course, these comparing across industries really useful for us to do, but it's also got its, its fraught with its challenges. The societal responsibility and understanding of, of respect for certain um, roles in society, of course, is a, a fraught issue. But I think we sometimes make a mistake of... of when it comes to the majority of MSK clinicians in this country, if you just look at it in terms of the amount of MSK clinicians across the board and their employer is the NHS in the UK. And that's relevant because that's a public purse. And so the market forces that can, whereas you don't have many public defenders, you know, in terms of their employer, this is where I'm speaking potentially getting my stats a bit wrong, but my understanding would be that the, the law training market is a, completely privatized industry it's most part let's say i'd say a vast majority and i get fact checked on this potentially whereby it turns out that 70 percent of lawyers in the uk and solicitors are public defenders and are on the public purse i doubt it but let's say no i know there's a thriving private sector across msk but it's just that the majority are in in the public sector and that does greatly affect market mechanisms significantly and so the sort of going rate um, is going to be influenced significantly by that. And I'm not saying that's okay, but I'm just admitting that, you know, on a broader level, we've just got to bear that in mind. And it doesn't mean that therefore I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not agreeing. It's more that I'm just concerned that uh, sometimes, I know all this more thoughtful than this, but uh, others might be clumsy in thinking, you know, sometimes people like to shake their fist and say, um, you know, why nurses should be, why aren't nurses paid the same as footballers? Um, and it's just, unfortunately, it's just not how money works. You might not like how money works, right? You know, it might be your politics. But as a general rule, the broader economics of it means that it's a very different world that we'd live in if you were able to sort of divvy up salaries that way. And, uh, and so in this instance, so socially, I think we should be respected more and, and make a case. I think that there's some, unfortunately, you should look to the colleagues to your right and left sometimes to recognise that if we don't raise standards uniformly, then we're going to continue to be undervalued. But I would also argue that um, we, the, the price point of which we can we can make a case for charging is going to need to be something appropriate, the uniform, and we need to tether it to values on data. And it's some of the things that we talked about in the big R's um, when it was starting to get going and our partners uh, for the Big R's project with Connect Health was just trying to make a value proposition to try and offer a case for why we deserve more money. It needs to be something that uh, we're going to be judged sometimes by the lowest common denominator, at least by the mean clinician. Uh, and so sometimes the, the brilliant people that are adding credible societal value by their care delivery, 
I speak to, of course, our listeners here. But it's just that, unfortunately, your colleagues that are um, not offering that enriching holistic care that are just technicians who are actually sometimes, we would argue, making things worse by delivering poor care, they're affecting the market value proposition as well. And that if we're not measuring it, that's another thing, if we're not delivering a measurable, we're not, as an industry, we're not collecting a comparable outcome measures, that's another MSKR uh, point. Then these are all going to be contributing to the way in which um, we're understood and therefore valued, and therefore the price points we can we can try and move for in in, in society. And so, whilst I agree it's undervalued, and uh, and I totally agree with um, Gemma's making a great point here about undervaluing ourselves, I just think that you know, do not underestimate the, the various different jigsaw pieces and and the responsibilities that we could uh, move better on. Uh, Matt's made a point in reply to Ollie here, so I just want to draw that in. Um, never mind in a law grad, he was on twenty five k plus car. Health for his first corporate role straight out of uni, unrelated to his degree. Madness when compared to healthcare. Unfortunately, that's something that most people are going to increasingly realise is that the pressures on um, the home purse is going to be significant. And this topic is a hugely challenging one, is that I am frustrated about the amount of corporate bubbles there are, um, especially in the city, right? There's these just generic corporate grad scheme style jobs of which many of our peers and colleagues have, 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 have been in sometimes even before, um, but also, you know, we all we'll went to uni with them many a time, is that, yes, I, I agree. And, and certainly I'm frustrated by the fact that there's these little bubbles or cottage industries in which the chargeable value on that, that role rather than that individual is just considered high and, and sort of, you know, corporate accountancy and, and um and uh soliciting is solicitors not soliciting um and, and and other other um consultancy style roles and corporations mean that the chargeable rate on that role is just filled by another suit and their expertise of that individual is certainly overvalued by society and there's a bit of a racket going on where people moving money between corporations means that that inflates the, the cash value on what that suit and that chair and that desk warrants and, and it bothers me too you know my politics are in that direction it's it's an irritation as to where people are valued for the what they bring to society and how they you know the underpinning health and education of the individuals that then um really make the, make everything tick and, and, and it's sort of frustrating for me but it's similarly uh, clumsy if we were to, to not consider those variables i would say when we think about the market and how it plays um i would say we just need to make sure we we recognise the, the consider and consider all the factors at play affecting salaries and understand that there aren't many levers for us to pull sometimes in a regulatory framework and where we shake our fists, but certainly talking about it is a really good way. So I'm not one that says, oh, just stop talking about it. It's like, no, actually bringing these to the fore is going to maybe make someone think twice about applying for something and undervaluing their work. Um, I would say... That um, just to conclude on this point, but I'm sure it can roll on to, to future future conversations and episodes. And please do continue your comments. But I would say that we've just got to be mindful as well that we 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 don't want to fail to recognise the importance of this conversation around first contact practice, whilst that role is becoming established and, and credible in its own right, and the way in which advanced practice might be available to uh, be protected by the Health Professions Council or other regulators in the future, is that we want to aspire to appropriately 
um, regulate things sensibly. If it was too heavy-handed and, and you, 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 you're managing language too closely, that's going to feel a bit oppressive. But similarly, if it's a Wild West and people are just using language as a means of advertising stuff, then it's a falsehood and it's not res you're not respecting the actual role and what that means, then that's going to be fraught with problems too. So just bear that in mind. And as I said, there's some great work coming out. On the first contact thing, I'm just going to try something whereby I've copied and pasted a... Um, a link to a you know, connect have got a first contact in primary care webinar thing um, that they've got that's that's happening shortly. Um, well, let me just get the date up, sixteenth uh, of September. So I'm just going to try something and post the link into the uh, into the chat function. It's on restream, so I don't know where it'll have gone. I think it's gone to it says it's gone to um, Facebook and it should have gone to everywhere there looking at it. So hopefully it is. Um, but yeah, that looks decent. Um, I'm going to try and get myself to that. Um, talking about this very issue, probably not about the, the, the sort of value of it, but certainly talking about first contact. So if you're interested in that, then, then pay attention there. But as the conversation has shown, it, it, it does move into other corners of the industry. So very, very much an interesting, interesting point that we should all be considering and, and as I said, just think of all the jigsaw pieces rather than uh, thinking it's a it's it's complex analysis, and it's it's also I would argue um, the the solution to it is multifaceted. Um, other things that I was planning to talk to you about today, I've got to mention. I know I said it yesterday about therapy, live sport, triathlon. We're doing like a, a swim, bike, run show, so it's going to be swimming content, running content, cycling content, triathlon content. We've got athletes, coaches, panel discussions. I'm going to leak you a few things, uh, but the big news is that we've we've got rid of half of the tickets already, at least. And it's like 48 hours, isn't it, since they went live? So in 48 hours, it doesn't necessarily mean that it won't then sort of taper a little bit. But yeah, you've only got this week by this rate, and that will leave a lot of people disappointed because we're not. It's 5,000 tickets and it's capped at that. It's a smaller sub-show and we're going to contain it that way and the way that the bandwidth works because we're only running two or three streams. And so, you know, it's just important that people that want to get involved in that do get their ticket ASAP. Um, for that, it's on Eventbrite. You get it on all, all of our social media links on Physio Matters and Therapy Live. So, yeah, search there and you'll find it. Um, if you check your emails if, you, if you're on the mailing list or you attended last time. Just don't miss out on that. It'd be a shame. Now, a little bit of, uh, to, to, to whet your appetite. Um, there's going to be some great – we've got some content that's going to be really quite, quite clinically focused, you know, Um Lookouts for show, you know, lookouts for shoulder pain in, in, in swimmers, for example, um, classic things that could that present um, the uh, yeah, shin pain, exertional lower limb pain, and differential diagnosis in and around that is super important. So we're going to be getting some clinical content about managing and treating that in clinic. Uh, but then you're also going to have panel discussions about where coaching and, and therapy overlaps, where it shouldn't overlap, where it should be distinct and where it should be merging. Um, you've got then um, the concept of massage for recovery. Um, it's going to be discussed uh, thoroughly. Um, we've also got to have some you know, uh, exercising post-pregnancy sort of stuff, all things that are going to be really some focused clinical content, but also some discussions around topics that we really need to get in, an understanding of that really affect us all in practice. So there's a few leaks. I might do that each day, actually, because we've got as the agenda emerges and we're going to be announcing speakers and stuff. But, you know, we've got rid of half the tickets already in 48 hours. So, you know, at least half, I think. So over half now. Just don't miss out if you're interested. It's really important. Um, 
and so yeah, I hope uh, I hope those that are, those that are wanting to snap them up do so and crack on. Now, the um, the final thing I'm going to mention, um, he says as I as I check what it was, the final thing I was going to mention. Um, let me just double check. What was that? There we go. It's one other thing. What was my one other thing? Oh yeah, the uh, I was asked. I was asked. Um, Opinion, I mean, everyone's got an opinion on COVID, but I think what people were saying about over the weekend when they knew that I was doing this um, is I was quite vocal early, you know, a few weeks before people considering me to be scaremongering about COVID um, and saying, you know, lock yourself away or you know, lock your vulnerable relatives away um, a few weeks before it, and I was considered to be a scaremonger and people have felt in recent times that I've been a bit quieter on that topic. Um, so, yeah, I suppose um, something we can talk about in more detail than, than for a few minutes. But yeah, people were asking after uh, my take on that. I think one of the biggest things for me um, in terms of as we're trying to open up society again and get back to new normal, dare I say, I just think we've got to be mindful of um, the big variable that seems to be in play is the protecting the NHS was such a core feature that made me someone that was quite hawkish early doors and felt that we responded late was because it was something that especially when we thought about the the rate of infections as they were spreading as well as the way in which it was um how much your percentage of people it was going to maim kill um and, and really affect it was something that the protecting the nhs and, and the powerful argument that i was hearing was this you know that if you overwhelm the nhs the surplus death that occurs across non-covid patients is, is enormous now I fear that we because of the fact that we, we learned a lesson that uh, we, we overreacted to some extent you know with all the Nightingale hospitals means that we ended up with a lot of surplus death that we were not we were already underestimating still stories we're still, still underestimating but I'm I'm feeling that the there hasn't been that I mean, the politics have been a mess but it's just that the there hasn't been a sensible maneuver from the staying home to protect the NHS thing, protecting the NHS thing was totally key and made sense. And the logic flew down, it was downstream of that for why you would make such a social disruption, economic disruption and affect people in such a way. It was because of the fact that the NHS being overwhelmed would just mean that you just had a, like what happened in Northern, Northern Italy, it's just a really tragic uh, situation. When we've not had that become overwhelmed, I think that, that really has affected my opinion as to um, we should still be be appropriately cautious and, and continue our learning about this. But it's something that the the secondary consequences of COVID um, and the you know people staying home to finish their heart attack, right? That's going to be incredibly relevant to our the health of a nation and the, and the surplus death thing. So, reason I've I've been quiet on COVID stuff is mainly because we've been doing other things rather than me hiding from it, but people asking me my opinion on it compared to when I was raising the alarm in March, <laughs> you know, it's um, the, the big thing for me that affects my, you know, how how militant I am in, in a sense of how we should be behaving is, is greatly affected. But I think we, we need to crack on to, to get back to not just a new normal, but plenty of the old normal too, uh, under some sensible precautions for those that are vulnerable. But generally speaking, you know, I'm someone that, that feels that we need to be, we be cracking on um, because it's, it's, 
it's um, something that needs to be taken seriously and still needs to be taken seriously. But fundamentally, we need to we need to get going again because the consequences of not doing that are huge. So that was a, a great question that came in, and I think uh, something that I'd, I'd uh, love to hear from you all about is is where you're all at and, and how you're getting on. You know, even just personal stories about where you're at. A lot of people saying they're sick of it and stuff. So um, you know, I'm really really impressed with uh, a lot of the comments that have been coming in and questions that have been coming in on various different streams, especially the, the conversation that's been going on, it looks like on Facebook. Um, so yeah, please do check that out. If you're tuning in elsewhere, then there's been some great comments coming in. I can't share them all. Uh, but I think this is something that we definitely want to get a couple. I think some of my, my first guests, maybe uh, later this week or, or early next week, uh, on the comments, I think maybe I'll try and line up for further in this discussion about uh, how we're valued as MSK professionals. That seems to be really a hot topic. We've got some great back and forth here, Paul Leclerc and Matt Scarsbrook. Hi, guys. Really excited to have you guys uh, not just tuning in, but also commenting. Um, I think we will roll that into an episode. So if any of you are up for joining me, then let's test the water and get some guests on. And I'll send you a link and you can join me on the show. Um, either tomorrow or, or next week because there's some brilliant stuff that I'm going to be tuning into uh, next time about the uh, the employers valuing and how we value ourselves, etc. It's just fantastic. So thank you for con continuing that conversation. I'm going to tune off now because we said we'll keep it to half an hour, but let's take those things, bring them together and, and chew over that discussion um, either tomorrow if any of you are free or into next week because it's certainly it's not something we're going to conclude now but please continue to, to comment and let's move the conversation forward um, so that's a promising sign from ollie coburn always getting fantastic yeah so let's uh, let's keep the conversation going let's not pretend we're going to conclude these complex issues but let's keep chewing it over thinking in public all the usual cliches that i use uh, about why we want to make sure we try and move this forward and, and try and progress and elicit all your opinions and um, I'm, I'm sick of people sometimes sitting on too much that they're thinking about when it's really thoughtful and you guys are, are brilliant thinkers so really appreciate you getting involved Hope you've enjoyed it, and uh, yeah, well, I'll see you tomorrow. I know I was on time. I'm going to start on time, finish on time. When do I ever do that? All right, love you all. See you in a bit.